Hello, welcome to our new podcast on creating momentum. I'm your host, Rachel Day, and my co-host is Kelder Wood. Together, we're going to be chatting about what it takes to achieve a goal. We invite you to join us as Kelda attempts her first triathlon and as we interview a range of other inspiring people to ask them how they achieved their goals, which seemed impossible to the rest of us. The idea behind these podcasts is to dispel any assumptions that achieving inspiring things is for other people. Sometimes we don't understand the whole journey. We don't see the obstacles and the struggles. And these podcasts are here to share everything, what it took to actually achieve that goal and how the people that achieved them answered the question, how can I? Thanks so much for joining us. Kelda, I'm so excited for our first episode of Creating Momentum. Um, so lovely to see you. I know you're fresh from a swim um, and we're going to concentrate this, this particular episode on you and your story around the try that you're about to, to do and try, should I say. So, yes. um, yeah, so let's, let's kick off with why, why you decided to embark on a triathlon. Yeah, I think... I'm a very goal driven person you know I I like having goals in place to motivate me and and to aim for and you know on the back of the row I knew I didn't want a massive goal but I had started to feel like I wanted something to give me a reason to train for and and to just motivate me a bit more because I was training hard but I was kind of going why am I training um I've always wanted to do a triathlon, but again, when you can't run because of my gammy leg, um, I kind of ruled it out the equation that it just wasn't something I could do. Um, and then I went swimming with, with my partner one time, I think we touched on this in the intro, and I said to him, you know, your challenge is to see if you can teach me to, to do front crawl because I've, I've never been able to do front crawl. I wouldn't say he got me able to do it, but there was something slightly resembling front crawl happening. And I kind of went, you know, if I can swim, maybe I can ride a bike. I know I have to improvise a bit, but I can ride a bike. I can't run, but if I can get in touch and see if they can uh, let me do it in a racing chair, maybe I could do a triathlon. And it was kind of a really liberating thought that this thing that I'd always wanted to do but thought I couldn't when I actually started breaking it down and and looking at it with a how can I kind of attitude I suddenly went maybe I can um and I think more than anything it was realizing that I didn't have to do it with a view to winning a gold medal or or you know being selected for, for the GB squad I just wanted to do it for fun um so that, that was where it started from. It's obviously evolved a bit since then, but that was the main driver behind it to, as to why I wanted to, to get out there and do a triathlon. Brilliant. And I'm just thinking about, you know, people that might be listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, I can see just doing it for fun is a way into it. But actually, if I can't do it competitively, in my head, I can't do it because I only want to do a try if I can do it competitively. 
So how, and I know you're quite competitive, how do you get over that? Yeah, I think it's been very clear on your objectives. You know, why are you doing it? And as much as I am competitive, I know that I, I've got to keep in my mind that my objective in doing it is giving me a reason to train, a motivation and doing something that I didn't think I could. So completing it will be success. It doesn't matter if I finish two hours behind everyone else. And you're right, I will be frustrated if I finish two hours behind everyone else. But I'll also be very pr proud that I've done it because I've spent years thinking that I couldn't. So I always say it, it's like with everything, it's really relevant to when people are doing the Atlantic row. And when I've worked with some of the crews um, since doing it myself, I've always said to them, what is your objective? If it's to go out there and have an experience, then that changes your row compared to if you're going out there with a view to try and win. It, you know so I guess it's the same with the triathlon I'm I'm really clear that I want to be the best I can be because that's the person I am so I'm training hard not because I want to win but because I want to go out there and do myself justice I want to be the best I can be if I'm slow because of my leg or because I'm still learning I can cope with that if I'm slow because I haven't trained hard, hard enough, I'll be really cross with myself. So I guess, yeah, it's, it's about being the best you can be. And as long as you're doing that, you can be proud whether you finish first or last, you know. And it just sounds so important to figure out why you're doing it. So are you doing it for you? Are you doing it for other people? Are you doing it to prove a point? Are you doing, you know, and actually that's, isn't that part of the journey? Why, why am I doing it before I even... Yeah. And, and I think for me as well, more than ever with the triathlon, because I wanted to do it to inspire others as well. And, and I felt even more so than the row because, you know, running, biking, swimming is much more relatable than, than rowing an ocean, it, you know. So if we can inspire someone to get in the pool and swim, to get out and go for a run or get on a bike and cycle, absolutely brilliant. But so for, so for me, that's not about going out and being an elite athlete and smashing it it's actually been quite prepared to make a fool of myself you know <laughs> and, and laugh about it and just go I don't care because the reason why I'm doing it is to show that it doesn't matter if you're not the fastest the strongest you know it's taking part it's doing it it's it's just having that you know that goal to aim for and that sense of achievement when you finish it um and if that means I hobble across the finish line two hours behind everyone else I'll take that you know <laughs> you're very brave Keldron. and I think just before we get into it and the experience so far I just wanted I'm just bringing back to my mind when we first set ourselves a challenge we um I, I know from my point of view I'm like do I want this to be a visible challenge or an <laughs> invisible one <laughs> because the minute I say I'm going to do something I'm going to have to follow it through and if I can't do it if I'm rubbish and I just wondered whether how you felt about that, you know. Yeah, I think there's two sides to it. I mean, it's quite funny because one of the triathlons I'm doing, the organisers um, always aim high events. They've they've decided to follow it, um, as have UK Triathlon, who are organising one of the, the other events. And so they're doing a, a 
podcast and a blog following it and when they put it out I, I actually emailed them and said guess there's no getting out of it now is there <laughs> because it was a bit like we'd, we'd put it out there and in some respects that's great because it creates that accountability you know I think um lockdown and the breast cancer diagnosis definitely put um barriers in the way you know I haven't been able to train like I wanted to I'm not as far ahead as as I should have been um because of those two things the first triathlon is five weeks away now do I feel ready to do a triathlon in five weeks time no I don't so if it hadn't been put out there I might find it quite easy to kind of cry off mm. um but the fact that I've I've got to follow through now, actually, that's pushing me to even when I don't feel like it to still go and train. And I'm not saying that everyone should put it out there on public forum, but creating that accountability. So, you know, telling someone or telling your family or telling your friends or, you know, you, you just put a post out on your social media page or whatever it might be so that it does hold you to it. A bit and that's not always a bad thing sometimes I wish people weren't watching because but but then I'm not worried about not being brilliant at it you know so actually my whole approach has been to kind of take the mickey out of myself and and laugh my way through it um and and show that it's okay to not be elite <laughs> far from it <laughs> Really, I really want to ask you more on that. So I feel like I'm putting off talking to you about the tribe, but I just want to ask you, how did you get that that approach? Because we'd all love to be able to laugh at ourselves and, and not feel like we're proving ourselves. But how, how did you get to that point, Kilda? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think it's always, I, I, I guess a lot of it is to do with being very aware about what you're trying to achieve you know and if you were trying to win a gold medal it, you know maybe I wouldn't be laughing at myself quite so much but I think because I know I'm doing it for fun um and that one of my absolute core values is is to try and inspire and motivate others so actually if I'm sinking halfway up a length in the pool it, you know when someone else goes to the pool and sinks halfway up the length it's then not going oh well I can't do it because I, I can't swim a length it's like no no you just that, that's why I'm sniffing away now I might start sneezing soon because I've swallowed so much chlorine this morning you know because I keep sinking um but it so I I guess to answer that it's really about knowing what your core values are and knowing what you're trying to achieve from it and just staying true to that um and I think if I can take the mickey and make people laugh it, it takes away hurdles doesn't it it, it takes away it, it, it stops it being so intimidating as well so it's kind of let's just let's have fun with this let's play with it and yeah but it it's not always easy I I think I mean, I still think you turn up and you see everyone else looking really fit and athletic. I might not be saying this the morning of the triathlon, you know. Um, so to suddenly be papping my pants and, and you know, wishing that I'd never said I would do it, I'm almost expecting or, or I'm comfortable if I feel like that. Um, but then how do I get over that? I remind myself why I'm doing it. And then if I remind myself of that, 
it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of me because I know why I'm doing it. Mm, that's brilliant. And I think, you know, I guess the thing that I'm hearing is that when you're, when you embark on a challenge like this and you say, I'm going to do it and I'm, you know, and I'm going to take myself lightly and I'm going to have fun. And these are the reasons why I'm doing it. But also knowing that there'll be loads of times when you think, well, why am I doing this? Why did I do this? Why did I put, and that's going to keep happening. I don't know how many, how many times has that happened so far for you? Well, I've lost count. <laughs> you know, I have to say there's times when it's felt very similar to the Atlantic. It's felt incredibly overwhelming. You know, when I'm looking at each phase thinking I can't do it, you know, or certainly I can't do it competently and for the length I've got to do it and you kind of go five weeks to go and you know I'm still so far from being able to cycle 40 kilometers from to swim a mile and and you know I so they well we'll go into the run in a minute but um so yeah there's been times I'm like it's just not possible it's just not possible to do it but I've then come back to why are you doing it and when I come back to that, it doesn't matter if I am really slow. And I know I can cycle 40 kilometres. It might just take me a long time. You know, I, I just can't cycle. I don't want to go quick because I'm not confident enough on the, the road bike yet to go quick. You know, I know I can swim a mile, but I might end up having to do it in breaststroke because my front crawl isn't good enough by the time and so I can do it it's just going to take me longer so okay remember why you're doing it Kelda and then it is achievable brilliant so let's get into the phases then um Kelda Wh which is the good one to start with is it the which is the one you tend to do first swim swim is, swim is okay. so yeah. how is the swimming going um <laughs> Well, after this morning, not brilliant. Um, so obviously, I haven't been able to get in the pool for a long time um, because of lockdown. Um, and my, my big thing is, is, like I say, I'm fairly strong in breaststroke, but I haven't been able to do front crawl. I use my leg as, as um, an excuse, but I think it possibly is as much an excuse as, as reality. I think part of it is I'm just not very good at it. Um, but you know it is such I look at people doing front crawl and I just think I never see anyone else sinking how are they able to just do it and and yet I just don't seem to be able to my, my legs keep sinking and, and I'm told that that's very common um so I've really been breaking it down I've been doing a lot of work with a pool boy um between my legs to try and keep my legs up and getting stronger in my front end um so that hopefully then when I take the pool boy away my, my front end will be able to kind of keep the power on um that's still not really working at the minute because my legs are still sinking um and then you know every so often you have a bit of a light bulb moment and I swam at the weekend and I suddenly realized if I started rotating through my back rather than just through my shoulders that helped keep my legs up so I thought I found the answer and then I got in the pool today and it just didn't work you know so it's um well you've just got to keep working at it you've just got to keep going and I keep wanting to not take the pool boy away because as soon as I do my legs sink 
but if I never take it away, I'm never going to learn to swim without it. So, you know, I have to, I have to keep taking the pool boy away and just accepting that I'm going to drown for a couple of lengths. And, and, you know, I do, I swallow an awful lot of water, Um, but we'll get there eventually. We might not get there in time for for the first triathlon, but I will get there. Um, So yeah, just keep going and keep working at it. And, you know what, be kind to yourself. So today I went, I'd, I'd had the COVID vaccination yesterday. So I was aware that I wasn't probably feeling quite as strong as I, as I normally do. So maybe that was why it felt so much better on Sunday and didn't today. So I just, I was kind to myself and I put in a few lengths in breaststroke just to make it a little bit easier. I kept on just doing a few lengths with a pool boy, then a few lengths without. And, and so you know again we've all just got to be realistic stuff happens where you're not smashing it we're not elite athletes you know we're not in a position that we're able to base our whole lives around training but that doesn't mean we we can't do it so do what we can and yeah get there eventually (laughs) so in terms of the swimming aspect what is the what's the the next step for you so what 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 are you going to try next yeah so the other thing is obviously for the triathlon in June it's an open water swim so it's it's in a lake which I've never done before um but you're also in a wetsuit and I'm told that a wetsuit makes you more buoyant so that it will probably help me to keep my legs up when I've got a wetsuit on so next weekend we're going uh this weekend coming we're we're going open water swimming for the first time I'll, I'll swim in the wetsuit for the first time um I have to say I'm not particularly looking forward to it because I think it's still going to be very cold in there but for me it's about putting the wetsuit on and and getting to feel how the wetsuit feels how it feels to swim in the wetsuit and how much buoyancy does it give me because suddenly front crawl might seem a lot more achievable if the wetsuit's helping me me stay buoyant you know Mm. and the other thing I think that's really important is we, we mentioned it before is about this just breaking it down into manageable chunks because not so long ago it it did feel like too much there's just too much it was like right just what's one thing I can do to move it one step closer and that was like right well let's get back in the pool once they open it's like okay I'm back in the pool now but I've got five weeks to go and I've got to do an open water swim so I might not want to go into a cold lake next weekend but actually you need to because you need to experience swimming in a wetsuit swimming that will move me one step closer so it's just breaking it down into those manageable chunks again definitely and is I mean out of the three phases which is the one for you that is the one that's you're most worried about all of them (laughs) (laughs) and and being honest I am but for different reasons Mm. You, you know the swim because of my front crawl and and that I still sink quite a lot um for the bike I'm incredibly apprehensive no that's been melodramatic I'm apprehensive on a road bike um since the accident I had with a horse on on a road you know I've I've never liked to do anything on a road other than drive um so I, I wouldn't cycle I wouldn't ride I wouldn't um so any biking I've done and I haven't done masses but has been on a mountain bike um you know much sturdier much more more stable and you put me on a road bike where you've got these little 
dwindly tires and you know you're going so much quicker and and I I'd struggle to keep it in a straight line and then my chimp is kind of going right what if I'm riding along a road and I can't keep it straight and I wobble out in front of a car so my chimp is massively um hijacking things and trying to stop me from getting on that bike at the minute but I did the same thing I broke it down into to manageable chunks and kind of went right first up I've got to get confident on the bike so I've just got to feel like I know how to start it stop it change gear get off it you know really simple things like that so I just use a little lane up near me but where there's there's no traffic um and just went up and down there for for probably about a week just getting that I knew I, I knew how to start stop break that kind of thing and then I found a route where I've just got to do about 400 yards if that on a main road and then I've got this great big hill to climb up that but there's nothing on it it's just a road up to a farm at the top so um and it has me blowing out my backside when when I get to the top you know so I, actually I can just do reps up there I don't need to go out on on main roads and actually that would be something that would stop me from doing it because I would not enjoy at all going on a main road because of that past experience you know so now I've just been doing my reps up this hill and I went out last night and it was the first time when I've actually felt like ah, let's just push it a bit you know as in let's just go a bit quicker and it's it's a bit like the swimming you've just got to keep doing it and I think anything we do when we're new to it you've got to give yourself time to start to feel competent um and it would be so easy to quit when you're not enjoying it and you're not feeling competent and you're not feeling confident but actually the only way you're going to get that is to keep doing it so I just keep going up and down this hill but what I know is sometime soon I think I'm going to start saying let's go somewhere else because I felt confident enough and it's a bit about your comfort zones isn't it and and comfort stretch and, and panic and I think because of that fear I've got of roads for a very justified reason you know so actually I want to stay in my comfort zone but they'll get a point when I'm actually bored of being in my comfort zone and I want to stretch it a bit that's the point that I'll then say let's start going somewhere else if I try and do that before I'm ready I'm going to knock my confidence even more you, you know so I think that's the time I'm all for stretching comfort zones and pushing them but there's also a time to just stay in them until you're ready you're really ready and and when it comes to confidence it's like okay I'm I'm, I'm I want to do more now that's the time to do more so yeah <laughs> and I just wanted to check on this thing about, you know, breaking it down and putting it into stages and I'll do this and then I'll do that. And I guess the thing in my mind is, but when there's a time scale, as in you've got one in five weeks yeah. and you haven't got comfortable with stage two, but you know, you should be in stage three by now or even stage four. How, yeah. how do you, how do you manage that? Do you? So I think, I mean, the, the bike's a perfect example where, okay, I'm going up and down this, this hill, but because it is so steep, 
you only get, you know, maybe three times up it and, and you're done, which means you haven't covered a lot of distance. So I'm aware that I need to go and experience probably 30 miles. I need to know that I can do 40K. So this weekend, we've actually said, right, we need to push it a bit now. So I am probably pushing a bit more than I would have done. Um, but what we're doing is we've picked a stretch of road that we know is, is more a quiet country lane. So we're going to put the bikes in the car, drive down to the start of that country road. We're going to ride five miles out, five miles back and do that three times so that we still get 30 miles, but without having to go out and, and then where you're forced to go on to, to busy roads. So you, you're right, Rachel, you know, that there does come that time when you've got time limits um, where you have to push it a bit more. But I kind of see that that's actually a good thing. Would I be going and getting in a lake this weekend if I didn't have that five week time limit? No. I wouldn't I'd be going oh let's just wait till it gets a bit warmer you know and would I be going and do, doing 30 miles no I'd probably be saying oh let's let's do it once and we'll just next week we'll do it twice and but we're pushing it so again I think it's yes push but a bit of how can I in that it's okay push but still do it in an achievable way um I hope that makes sense. It, it does. I'm just wondering how you how you know it's it's getting that balance right between um, I'm never going to be ready for this time limit I've set myself. Yeah. Or yeah. actually, I need to push myself more so I am ready. And and how do you make that call, or does someone else make it for you? Or I, I think there's an element of you will never feel completely ready. You, you know, you'll always think I could have done more. Um, I know 100% I will feel like that for, for Leeds Triathlon, 100%. Um, but I've never done a triathlon before. So part of it is just going and experiencing a triathlon. And it, it doesn't matter whether I'm ready or I'm not. Let's just see how it works and how transition works. And because I haven't got a clue right now. Um, and yeah, I think there is that side of sometimes you just have to take a bit of a risk you know and I I can remember reading a book um called um as far as my feet will carry me and it was about a guy who'd been in a Siberian prisoner of war camp um and he it took him four years he escaped and it took him four years to to walk across Siberia and I hope I've got the facts right there so if I haven't don't shoot me down um but the human body is incredible, it, you know, what it can do when we have to. At the end of the day, I'm not walking across Siberia for four years in sub-zero temperatures with no food and no, no water, you know. Um, I'm just pushing it for a day. So actually, even if I'm not ready, I might not be quite as quick or, or, or nowhere near as quick as if I was a, a bit more ready, but I can still do it. I might be a bit sore the next day, but I can still do it. You know, the human body is capable of way more than, than we think. And I often say, so with the run, 
we, we can go on to the run in a minute because that's probably the most interesting one. But what they've done is they, they've cut the distance in half. Um, for me, <laughs> um, because I, I know that that sort of doing 10K was was um, going to maybe put one barrier too many um, in place. And I said, if I was if I was in a war and I had to escape fire, I would run for two and a half miles. Like you would just do it if you had to. So it's like, well, if I can do it, if I had to, I can do it for, for two and a half miles. You know, I might not do it very well. I might hobble it. I might walk some of it, but I can do it. So that's really how I've approached things. <laughs> you might not be ready, but suck it up and get on and do it anyway. Yeah, and it, and it is that perspective as well, isn't it? In, in terms of, you know, okay, might not be ready, but what's the worst that can happen? And and I love what you say about the capability of the human body. I remember somebody saying to me when I was learning to run, um, your, your brain's going to tell you you need to stop before your body needs to. Yes. And it's trying to figure that out, isn't it? Like, um, so, um, an awesome thing, and I've read this in a couple of books, um, but the most simple way that it was put it, it is in a book called um, You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And he talks about a, um, and I always forget the word, but I think it's a generator, but it's, it's not a generator. Oh, I'll think of it. But it's kind of like you, a bit like in a car where it has a limiter so that the engine doesn't overheat. Your brain's the same. So your brain has, let's call it a limiter, because that makes more sense. Your brain has a limiter so that when it thinks that it's putting your body under too much strain, it tells you to stop because it's trying to keep your body safe. Mm. But the fascinating thing is that limiter is actually set at about 40%. So we've actually got 60% more reserves that we can tap into, but at 40%, our brain starts telling us you need to stop, otherwise you're going to do yourself some damage. So part of the training process is teaching your brain to extend that point that the limiter cuts in. So, you know, every time when I'm doing a session and I start thinking, I can't do this, I can't do this, it's like, push it a bit more, push it a bit more. And you move that limiter from 40% to 45%, from 45% to 50%. And actually, you know, over time, you can get it up to sort of 70, 80%. But even then, you know, when it's when it's telling me in that triathlon, I need to quit, I can't do it. I know I've got more there to tap into. It's just my brain trying to protect me. And once you're aware of that, that becomes really empowering because you kind of know that there is more reserves to tap into it's just your brain playing on the safe side um so that that helps me a lot when I'm training it really does and I, I think you know often when we embark on challenges you know we we do see them as physical challenges and then we suddenly get some mental hurdles we've got to overcome but actually what you're sort of talking about is almost seeing the brain as one of the muscles that that we need to train just as much as as all our other muscles absolutely yeah and I mean I know you know obviously that's why there's there's so much written around mental resilience and and training um but another great book is um Ross Edgley's book about his his swim around Britain and, and that's the art of resilience 
um, and he talks in a more scientific way about what we've just talked about now, but it is like, how do you swim around Britain? It, you know, and, and when you read his book, the resilience that he had to do that, it's not physical, it's mental, it, you know, and it is about overcoming your mind and, and all those times that your mind is trying to tell you to stop. Brilliant, Elder. So you were saying that the run is even more interesting. So the third phase is the run. Tell me, yeah. how have you been getting on with that? Well, I haven't run since the day I had my accident, which was 2002, you know. So my whole concept has always been, I can't run. And, and I can't, that's reality. I, I can't run. But the one thing I found during lockdown when we were stopped from going to the gym was that I can do, I call it the Kelder shuffle. You'd never call it running. It's a bit of a strange movement that you know, resembles something between a, I don't know, a skip and a hobble and a something else. But going uphill, I can do it uphill because my ankles fused. And when you go uphill, you're kind of on your toes. So the steeper the hill, the better so part of the way I kept fit during lockdown was that I would do hill reps um up a steep hill beat behind my house um and just do this kelder shuffle up, up the hills um so I but obviously I still didn't think that would work with a triathlon because it's not all uphill so that that wasn't going to work so my idea had originally been to do it in um a wheelchair and I wanted to do it in a normal wheelchair, not a racing wheelchair, because again, it was about it being accessible to all and racing wheelchairs can be really expensive. And so I got a, a um, sponsored them, with a with a normal wheelchair. But when I got it, I kind of went, OK, this isn't going to be possible. 10, 10K, you know, they're quite heavy. They're quite big pushing it uphill just wasn't going to happen especially then when I was diagnosed with the breast cancer because obviously I'd had the mastectomy and and that was putting quite a lot of um strain on my chest so pushing wasn't wasn't brilliant so um then a company called Spokes stepped in and sponsored me with a racing chair which was amazing and so it was all planned that we'll do it in a racing chair and and that will all be fine couldn't push for quite a while because of the mastectomy and then when I got in again it was just this like oh my god this isn't gonna work in that racing chairs are designed very much for flat tracks so you know like the athletic sort of tracks and and wheelchair racing around there um but also because of the mastectomy because I had to push so hard to get up even the smallest of hills it was actually causing quite a lot of strain and I was getting a lot of problems with with where the operation had happened so for it to be possible what I needed to do was train a lot more but I couldn't do it because of the mastectomy actually I needed to train less not more so that was another kind of real hit in a wall in that oh, how's this going to how is this going to work? And the thing that made me start to think of a new solution was we'd actually videoed me in the chair at one point and I'd, I'd turn around to the kind of camera and gone, I could walk quicker up here. And then I kind of went, well, if I could walk quicker, 
why, why don't I try and do my Kelder shuffle up any hills and walk the rest, you know? And um, I kind of started looking at it going, that's probably more achievable than trying to do 10K in the racing chair. Um, and then Leeds Triathlon is my, my first triathlon. They've been so accommodating and, and so helpful. Um, so I spoke to them and, and they wanted to know, you know, what adaptions did I need? And, and I talked through the whole situation with the run. And, and they said, well, look, why don't you do the, the standard distance with the, the bike and the swim, but then do the sprint distance with the run? And the stubborn part of me when no, I don't want to make it easy. But then the other side and part of the whole how can I attitude is about being realistic. And reality is 10K running after doing the other stuff with my leg as it is, is going to be pretty much, not completely impossible, but it was going to be pushing it, especially for my first triathlon. So in the end, I went blooming brilliant. Like that's a perfect solution that I can, you know, do the, the, the swim and the bike as normal. And then the run will just half the distance and do the sprint distance. And then hopefully if I have to walk and shuffle and skip and hop and anything else that, that needs be, um, you know, I can still get to the finish line within the allocated time. Um, job done. <laughs> I love what you said about the how can I attitude, because I think, um, I think that you can sometimes we can just, you know, sabotage ourselves by saying, well, there's no point doing it if I can't do 10K. Yeah. And actually, you know, we'll miss out on this huge opportunity by just being brave enough to go, you know what, 5K is OK. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think massively that reality thing, yeah. you know, OK, if I didn't have a gammy leg, I'd be going man up and do the 10K, Kelda. Yeah. But reality is I've got a gammy leg, it, you know, and the very fact that I'm able to be out there and giving a triathlon a go, that's what I need to be proud of, not whether I managed to do 10K or 5K. It's just the fact that, yeah, you're brave enough to get out there and give it a go. And, and that's what I think for anyone wanting to do, not just a triathlon, you know, anything. It might be a 5K park run. Just be brave enough to give it a go. And actually, if you end up walking half of it, it doesn't matter because you've still been brave enough to put yourself out there and, and try. And if you don't try, you'll never know. <laughs> Brilliant. And one of the things I'm interested in, Kelder, is you have done some incredible achievements in your life. So, you know, you've rode the Atlantic single-handedly, you've climbed um, Mount Akankarabura. Is that right? That, that's, that's new enough. <laughs> um, and I just think there's a, there's a lift. If this is me, so I'm putting myself in your shoes, I'm thinking, well, I should be able to do this triathlon, you know, without much thought and and, you know, people will assume that I can do this. This is this, yeah. this should be easy for me. Um, I don't know, has, has that thought sort of been difficult in terms of creating momentum for you or has it been a... Um, it has as far as what's very different from this to anything else that I've done is, you know, with the row, we could adapt the boat to really accommodate my leg. Um, with the 
you know, paracanoe, we adapted the boat. With, with Aconcagua, I used the crutches. Like everything was adapted to accommodate my leg. With the triathlon, there's only so much that we can adapt. So we can't adapt the run to make it any different. Running is running, you, you know. So, all right, we were looking at adapting, at, at doing it in the racing chair, but then we hit a barrier with that as well. So I think the bit that's been a bit more scary has been around this is something where I am going to struggle to do it on a level playing field with someone who hasn't got the leg injury that I've got um and because I am competitive you want to smash it you, you know I have got that underlying thing where I want to smash it and it's a bit of that am I going to feel I and again I guess it's the bit of the ego thing isn't it you don't want people looking at you when I'm on that trial this is what I'm scared of when I'm walking people will look at me and go well she's not very fit is she because she's having to walk and you know I want to go it's not that I'm not fit it's because I've got a gammy leg you know but there'll be people there that have got no idea that I've got a gammy leg and I find that a lot of the time when I'm training even in the pool this morning things like I'm aware that I've had a mastectomy, I've just had my COVID vaccine and I've got a gammy leg, you know, but I feel like people are looking going, well, she's a pretty crap swimmer, isn't she? You, you know, but that's, it's all ego, isn't it? It's all ego and understandable because that's human nature and it's, it's normal. And I was going to say, maybe it's about just coming back to why you're doing it, but maybe it's also about accepting that it's normal to feel like that and the other thing I've also learned is that people are far more concerned about themselves than they are about you so you feel like they're all looking at you going well she's not very good at running is she actually all they're thinking about is their run you, you know if anything you make them feel better because they're going past you you know so <laughs> it's a brilliant point isn't it like what's going on in our heads not you know how, how can I get to the finish line but what do people think of me whilst I'm trying to get to the finish line and yeah that's huge isn't it it, it is massive and I think especially I mean one thing with triathlons is um you know if you're in a if you're in a wetsuit if you're wearing your light crap like you feel self-conscious mm. you know it's, it's only those like super cool super fit super amazing people that look good in a chuffing wetsuit you know <laughs> um and and I, I think there is that element of just feeling self-conscious but my attitude to other people is fair play you know they're out there giving it a go and that's what matters you, you know that's how I view anyone doing it whether they're tall small fat thin whatever you know hobbling um it's just fair play they're prepared to give it a go and actually most people are thinking that the only person who doesn't think it is us you know um and we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes I think yeah it's that that keeps us going in the middle of it not what do they think but fair play I'm giving this a go anyway and yeah. you could always put a t-shirt on saying I've got a gammy leg and one boot <laughs> like that <laughs> no longer any assumptions around <laughs> I, I I actually might take you up on that Rachel I, I think that would be my it could be my trademark couldn't it <laughs> I'm doing this with a gammy leg and one boob <laughs> 
Wonderful, Akelda. So the only other thing that's in my mind is a lot of the time when we've been talking today, you've been saying we, and it really feels like you're not doing this on your own. And is that part of creating momentum? And yeah. Who, who... Absolutely. Yeah. And do you know, I never even realised that I'm doing that. And that's what's kind of so funny. And a few people have actually said that when I've, when I've talked about things, but I think, yeah, it is, um, oh, I don't want to say like it's a team effort because that sounds really cheesy, but it, it's not just about me doing it. It is about all those other people that that we reach and we inspire. And, and you know, I so, I really, I don't, it sounds so cheesy, but I really mean this. I really hope that, you know, I get across the finish line and, and you know, that backstory of the gammy leg and one boob, um, but that will make someone else who's got a gammy leg or a gammy arm or one boob or no boobs or whatever go maybe I can you know so I guess that's that's the we behind it it's kind of everyone getting across the finish line so yeah no no excuses there's always a way no not no excuses there are excuses but there's always a right a way around the excuses you know Brilliant. and you've definitely found loads of ways around and I'm sure there's still ways around you're going to have to figure out uh, <laughs> as, as you carry on Kelda is there anything else that you wanted to share on our first uh, episode of creating momentum no I think it's just you know the one thing we said Rachel when we set out to do this was trying to fill that gap between the starting point and the outcome you know in that so many people see that person finishing the, the crossing line and it all looks so easy and they look so strong and so fit and people go you know we could never do that and that's why I really wanted to share the setbacks not to play the violin and or anything like that it's just like no it's a long journey from that starting point to decide to do it and crossing the finish line and and setbacks are normal it, you know so if anyone's kind of going oh well I, I can't do this or I can't do that um that's that's normal it's okay it, it's just keep finding a way keep finding a how can I yeah and sometimes you find that way don't you so I loved that bit in the podcast today where you said I found a way to swim by you know slightly turning my back and I, I thought I'd cracked it then and it was like I've cracked it and then I go in today and I can't do it so it's even when you find a way sometimes you you know it doesn't always work how you plan absolutely absolutely and I think that's the nature of mastering anything isn't it you know you have your good days your bad days the days when you feel like you could take on the world the the days when you feel like the world's completely beaten you um and that's what gives you the sense of achievement when you cross the finish line yeah and thank you to people like you who actually find a challenge say to everybody else you're going to do it and then go through this journey and share these ups and downs and setbacks and ways around it. Um, you really are truly inspiring to me, Kelda, and I'm going to come and watch you at the Leeds. Oh, no. <laughs> T-shirt. She has a <laughs> Team colours. Team colours. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, I can't wait to watch you and continue to hear more about the journey because, um, you know, between now and Leeds, there might be another one of these podcasts. Um, uh, and equally after Leeds, it'll be great to see what 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 happened when what happened. you how long it did take me <laughs> yeah, definitely so thank you for today lovely to see you and see you next time thanks Rachel
So that's the end of our podcast for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Really hope that you enjoyed it. If you can rate and review us and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, it will really help as many people as possible hear about it. You can also follow Creating Momentum on the usual social media channels. And you can find out more about Kelderwood on climbingout.org.uk or Rachel Day on flyingschool.fun. Really look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye. Thank you.